You're listening to the Doheny Podcast Network. The Doheny Eye Institute, working for all to see. Your host is Jody Becker. My guest is Lori Levin, author of the brand new and beautiful coffee table book, A Clear Vision, The History of the Doheny Eye Institute. The book was published in celebration of the 70th anniversary of the Doheny Eye Institute in 2017 and traces its founding, the evolution of the critical research and international reach of Doheny, up to and including the present day. Lori Levin, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here today. So I'm curious, you are an anthropologist and an author, and I'm sure your background in examining specific cultures and how people work together did guide your research and writing of this book. In other words, it's much more than just a chronological account. Can you talk about that? Basically, I consider it like a village. It's alive. It has a heartbeat. It evolves over time. And my job is to find out how that happened and to capture the heartbeat of that institution. So can you tell us how the project was launched? Yes. Um, I met with Steve Ryan. I only met with him actually four times. Uh, And every time I met with him, we had perhaps a two or three hour session And uh, what was kind of endearing about it was that it it felt like he had the book written in his head. And I had done my homework before I took on the project. And I knew that DEI was a leading institution in the field of ophthalmology. I also knew that Steve was considered a titan in the field of ophthalmology. And so going into my first meeting with him, I was very careful to honor all those things and also to let him guide the process. And the way he guided the process, with me at least, is that he was able to somehow bring this idea, and I don't quite, I can't quite tell you how it happened, that if you put your heart and soul into something, you will actually exceed your own expectations. And I think that if you were to ask anyone, Steve exceeded expectations, and somehow by, uh, you know, the halo effect, he made you want to exceed your own expectations. And I think that is transmitted as a general value at DEI. It sounds like he was a tremendous storyteller. I'm wondering, to augment that, what did you find in the archives? An institution tells its own history. And what my responsibility is to listen and to reveal it. So I always start with the board of directors meeting minutes. And they will give you a blow by blow of uh, with dates, with who's speaking what, who's taking what position. And I basically read the board of director meeting minutes, in this case, for 70 years. Now, I can't say that it's absolutely, you know, riveting reading, but what it will do is it gave me a scaffolding, a scaffolding to see what the issues were, the ongoing issues. So can you talk a little bit about the inception of the institution and why eye care was a priority and how that evolved from the mission of the Estelle Doheny Foundation? Yes, sure. Um, 
Estelle Doheny, she was up on her third floor at, in her private chapel praying. She was a devout Catholic. And when she got up, she instantly lost vision in her left eye. Her right eye was also affected, but she wasn't blinded in the right eye. However, she lost sight in it over time. Now, her ophthalmologist, A. Ray uh, Irvine Sr., John Irvine's grandfather, was, you know, the best uh, here in L.A., but unfortunately, there was there were very few ophthalmological, first-class ophthalmological resources here. The Proctor Institute up in San Francisco was one, but there was no eye bank, there was no eye pathology lab. There were ophthalmologists, of course, and when the pathology had to be determined, it was oftentimes sent back to Washington, and it would take weeks. So Carrie Estelle recognized, because of her own devastating experience, she basically harnessed her largesse, her energy, her know-how, creating in 1944 a foundation that would ultimately lead to the first uh, establishment of the Doheny Eye Institute at St. Vincent's in 1947. So you've already talked about three personalities who really shaped the Institute, uh, Steve Ryan, Dr. Steve Ryan, of course, Dr. Irvine, and Estelle Doheny. Were personalities really driving the narrative in creating the book? You can't talk about the Doheny Eye Institute, and nor can you talk about Estelle Doheny without talking about the very reverend William Ward, who was this pint-sized powerhouse. He was actually involved with Mrs. Doheny. He was her private uh, and very well-trusted counselor when it came to her philanthropy. And also, he was, he was her spiritual advisor, of course, and he was in charge of St. Vincent's. Now, he was a very, I, of course, I never met him. I wish I had. Um, he had a will of iron. Now, of course, when Edward Doheny died, she turned increasingly towards him for counsel, and he was very much involved, as was Sister Fidelius at St. Vincent's Hospital, in creating the uh, first photography lab and pathology laboratory at St. Vincent's Hospital. And and would you say that that was the birth, in, in a sense, of the Doheny Eye Institute? Oh, it was the, well, the Eye Institute, it was the physical birth of the Eye Institute. I mean, it was already in the works previous to that. Uh, Mrs. Tohini sent uh, people all over the United States to find out what was required of creating a, a resource that would be responsive to the ophthalmological needs of Southern California. She was doing her homework from 1944 to 1947. And then the opening of this very small um, facility um, really was the beginning of the actual physical Doheny Eye Institute. So there have been some wrinkles in recent time uh, regarding partnerships and alliances with other leading eye institutes since established in Southern California. Can you talk about the partnership with USC and more recently with UCLA? In 1961, the Board of Trustees voted to affiliate 
with USC, and they signed a preliminary affiliation agreement. And at that point, Dr. S. Rodman Irvine and A. Ray Irvine served as co-medical directors. But interestingly enough, Rodman, Rodman Irvine, resigned because he felt that UCLA would have been a better choice. It really wasn't until 1972 when Hugh Edmondson, who was on the pathology uh, faculty at USC, when he joined the Estelle Doheny Foundation board, that things really started to solidify. And then even more so under the direction of Steve Ryan? Yes, he had big plans. Um, He was invited to the groundbreaking ceremony in 1973 for the Doheny Vision Research Center. And it's a great story because he was right out of Johns Hopkins. He already had uh, quite a reputation. And he went back to Baltimore and got a call. And they said, congratulations, we're going to offer you the chairmanship of the ophthalmology department at USC. He had made a very, very good impression. And he knew what he wanted at that point. And it took about 13 more visits before he actually said, all right, I'm coming. I'm going to commit. But it was, again, a back and forth. What resources can you offer? Because the county hospital was actually like a total backwater at the time when it came to state-of-the-art equipment. They had no research, of course, but Steve recognized this as an opportunity, and he also recognized it as a way that he could build something from the ground up. And he proceeded to do that? Absolutely. He, he well, you know, if I think if Steve Ryan set his mind to something, he, he did it. And he worked tirelessly, as everyone will tell you, to accomplish that. I know that he was particularly proud of the reach that Doheny has had across the globe with the Doheny Fellows and alumni who are working and have worked all over the world to improve eye health care. Can you talk a little bit about his international vision? Sure. Uh, let's, let's talk about East meets West here, because I think that is really emblematic of Steve's energy his outreach, and his vision. In the late 1980s, Steve received a letter from mainland China, and it was from, and I hope I get the pronunciation right on this, Dr. Jialiang Di. He was an ophthalmologist and a former barefoot doctor during China's Cultural Revolution. He'd gone on to win several distinguished awards in science and technology in Beijing, And he wrote, he said, because he wanted to forward his professional development at Doheny. And this was an opening for Dr. Ryan, Steve, to really create a relationship with with ophthalmologists in China. And he saw this as an opportunity to really extend the reach of Doheny. And today, Doheny has an active, active role in China. And elsewhere in the world. Can you talk a little bit about it? And elsewhere in the world. Yes. As Doheny's reputation grew, Steve also invited and welcomed, of course, collaboration. The spirit of collaboration at DEI is one of its core values. And they want to attract the best 
and the brightest. And so Steve set up a society of scholars and every year would name a, a, a honoree and then invite that person to give a talk. And really, it was a way of shining a light on not only the, the, the research, but also to attract like-minded people from all over the world. And as years passed, the stature of that meeting uh, has grown and grown, and people look to it as kind of a, a beacon, in a way, of what is the best and most cutting-edge kind of research that and who represents that uh, in the world. And then a lot of those people who would come from all over the world went back to their own countries. And I would think that they would have been inspired by Steve and what DEI represents. And in a sense, they, they have recreated or taken at least some of the values back to their own institutions. So there's been a migration of ideas, an exchange of ideas, an exchange of enthusiasm and openness, and most importantly, um, the value of excellence that DEI has been responsible for disseminating throughout the world. And Lori, let me ask you, one of the most striking things about the book when you open it up is you see a map of the world which indicates exactly where DEI alumni are working today and have worked in establishing, as you said, ophthalmology departments, hospitals, and institutes. Can you talk a little bit about just the graphic work of putting that map together and what it represents? Well, if you look at the map and you see the distribution of Doheny alumni or departmental chair people um, who have had close relationships with Doheny, you will see that there's a distribution of a significant reach from Ireland to Brazil to Korea to Saudi Arabia. And it really is kind of a foot print of what the influence that that the that DEI has had and the exchange I mean it isn't a one-way street obviously and that too is very much a, a Steve Ryan legacy that collaboration and uh, conversation and exchange is really the cornerstone of progress ophthalmologically so the map itself is really impressive because you see that the reach of the institution is considerable, and that can only mean good things for ophthalmology. Lori Levin, thank you so much for your insights. The scope of the research that you did brings to life so much of the institutional history and the current impact and influence of Doheny around the world. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure. And it's, it's been an honor to write the history, I must say. The Doheny Eye Institute, at the forefront in eradicating eye disease for nearly 70 years, is dedicated to providing state-of-the-art clinical services and supporting leading researchers in the quest for treatments that stabilize and improve the precious sense of sight. Doheny is now affiliated with UCLA Stein Eye Institute. For more information about our doctors and their innovative work in the quest for better vision, visit our website, doheny.org.